friends, it's that time, time to find your balls. Jeff Stuckey here, riding shotgun. Hands on the wheel, Greg Allen. Hey, morning, Jeff. How are you, Greg Allen? I'm doing great, man. Yeah. This is a good day. About it is a good day. How about yourself? Uh, so far, so good. I am um, overly excited about something, and I know that I'm overly excited about it, and I don't fucking care. Okay. So um, I, I was thinking that, like, little something that we could add to the podcast. <laughs> Dude. And I'm, like, fucking giddy about this. Yeah. So, like, each episode, we should end with, like, a useful tip. All right. Right? Mm. Or maybe it'll be mid I don't know. Yeah. Like, wherever it is, we'll yeah. identify it together, mm -hmm. and we will call that useful tip the ball scratcher. Oh, no. <laughs> I knew it. Is that... Like find your balls and like something useful is like ball scratcher. Oh, because it satisfies. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, listeners, you have, you get to look forward to your first, but certainly not your last <laughs> ball scratcher. Okay. All right. Am I, how, how too excited am I about that? You're way too excited that I don't even have any input. I don't even care. I, I mean, know. I, still, I, know. Like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. That's I think good. that's brilliant. And I'll die thinking that that was brilliant. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so we were, we were talking, uh, pre pre show. Yeah. We need like a technical term for that. Back in the green room. Yeah. Green room. Um, and perhaps the listeners know this. I, I would imagine they've picked up on it that you have, and I think these are the right words, a mm. profound aversion to small talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm panicking right now. Can we? <laughs> I know. You're like, dude, how much longer for this senseless chatter? Yeah, and I never know where it's going. That's Where's the map? And it's so much fun to watch you freak the fuck out. But because you want to grow, mm -hmm. you're going to try to ease into making small talk. Okay. And you you have something to offer this morning in the lane of small talk. Oh yeah. <clears throat> okay. I'm gonna here's my first shot at small talk. All right, here now, we go. I need you to act like you care. Otherwise I'm gonna stop. Cool. Got it. I can do that. <laughs> uh no this this came up last week. Several things happened last week. Actually they pretty much happen every week that would be you know, craziness for someone else's life, but it's just part of my life. That is true. You know, and the, both of those are, it's, it's not craziness. It's fucking craziness. You don't cuss, but you, <laughs> his nonverbals communicated that. And it's continuous. The things that happen in your life <laughs> are just anyway. And so this yeah. would be one of those instances. Yeah. And this is a, a minor one by my craziness standards. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my granddaughter and I are driving home. And, uh, and I see a wheelchair on the sidewalk laying down. <laughs> and so it doesn't surprise me because I see crazy stuff in our neighborhood anyway. Like I saw a wheelchair in a parking lot jacked up with a tire off <laughs> like it was in the pit lane or something. <laughs> you know, and, I, and just seeing them in parking spaces <laughs> is weird. Uh, I would have I, to concur. I know. Another time I saw a gal sitting on the curb and I'm thinking, I don't know what she's doing there. But I sat next to her to talk to her for a minute. And I, I realized she couldn't move her legs. Uh, and then I see her wheelchair 20, 25 feet away. And I'm trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. 
like, how is her wheelchair over here, over there, and how is she over here? But anyway, never figured it out. Didn't matter. We had a conversation. She didn't ask for help. I didn't want to act like she needed it, so I left. But this time, I see this wheelchair, and I said, oh, man, somebody's pranking somebody. Like, oh, let's just dump a wheelchair here, and people go, I wonder what happened. The guy walked off. But it was laying on its backside, and behind it was a ditch. So after I I get, you know, just a a few feet past it, I'm thinking, eh, Maybe that's not a prank. <laughs> Maybe somebody rolled down that hill backwards and the wheels hit the curb and they dumped them right there in the ditch. And I said, no, that can't be it. But I turned around to make sure. But <laughs> here, No, that can't be it, but I turned around to make okay. Well, here's why. I, I first started doing probabilities. You know, like, well, what are the chances that that happened or it's a prank? And if it did happen, what are the chances that the guy needs help or he just got up, walked off, said, I'm tired of that wheelchair. You know? So I'm working all that out. And I get down to like, well, there's probably, and this is a split just second. A, uh, how, out of curiosity, how many probabilities did you run in your mind? Like I, just pro- a rough. Yeah, three or four in oh, okay, succession. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay. And it's, it's split seconds, you right, know. Right, so no, but, that can't be it. No, that can't be it. Okay. Yeah, so it, I landed on just a single digit percent that there's a guy laying in a ditch. But I still turn around. But the, unfortunately, I turned around before this thought came to my head. Here's a thought that came to my head. If, if I keep going straight, then I'm the guy that left a man in a, or a person in a ditch out of a wheelchair and drove past him. I'm that guy. And forever, I'll be a guy that drove past someone in a ditch that fell out of a wheelchair. And that was, that was profound in my mind in defining moments in your life that you don't know. You know, it's not like you come up to a crossroads, do I marry this person, do I take this job or whatever, that can be defining. That's just a random thing. But it, it seemed like it could trigger something pretty important. So I'm, I'm pleased with myself that I'd already... I was going to say, I don't even know if I'm capable of having that thought. Like, if I do this, I'm going to be the person that left. <laughs> anyway, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I turn around and I go back. And <laughs> first off, I see uh, one of those um, neon yellow, like a cloth laying in the ditch. And I say, oh, man, this prankster really went all out. He took the thing off the back of the wheelchair and threw it in the ditch like, hey, this will really... Now, did you, and your actual thought what included the word prankster? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that not a word? No, it's a great <laughs> word. It is. It's just, oh, you little prankster, you. <laughs> but, but that's cool. That, that, yeah. yeah that's All right. So there, go back, and there's a guy laying in a ditch right there, you know? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I did not see this turn coming. <laughs> yeah. There was a guy laying in laying the ditch. Laying in a ditch, you know, and it's, and it was, concrete curb and stuff and his head's jammed up against it and he's laying on his back is on the sewer thing and i said uh, dude you know what, what's up and uh he kind of slowly opens his eyes and i said uh, how are you doing he goes uh, oh man my, my head hurts <laughs> go, well I, I think you fell out of your wheelchair and, he, and so i i grabbed his hand just to hold it for a second and then he goes my back hurts so you're, you're laying on the sewer grate. You know, we got to work this out. I said, but since you said your neck and your back hurt, I can't move you, you know, so we got to sort this out. So I, I, I didn't want to leave him. So I talked to him for, I don't know, 30 seconds or whatever. And then I see somebody walking in one of those, um, I call it the nursing outfits, like doctors wear. Okay. I don't know what that's called. But Scrubs-ish? Yeah, scrubs. scrubs okay, yeah. So I always assume that's somebody in a medical field. Uh, it seems like a safe assumption. Ah, uh, yeah, it's wrong. Oh. So, <laughs> okay. so I go, hey, look, uh, you know, there's somebody over here. Well, who is it? It's like, does it matter? It's a guy in a ditch that fell out of this wheelchair. <laughs> What's his name? 
Look, I hadn't gotten that far. Because if it's Ralph, I'm not coming over there. <laughs> right. That fucking Ralph, like, you just leave him in the ditch. Yeah. <laughs> what an interesting question. I know. Well, who is it? Yeah. So it's like, okay, look, I'm calling the ambulance. Oh, I don't do that. I'll call his room number. You know, it's like, well, you know the guy? <laughs> and so there was a nursing home right by, and there people are, and they were out there actually on the porch, people on the porch. It's like, did no one see this guy rolling backwards down the hill or, or the wheelchair? I don't know. But anyway, we sorted it out. Um, Why the, more information than sorted it out? Like, well, what? here's the bad thing. So, <clears throat> Three more people in the garb came out, but they're standing over him. I'm thinking, oh, this ain't not, this is not how you handle this, you know? So I'm sitting down next to him, holding his hand, like, you know, we're going to get this done, guy. You know, we don't need people on cell phones sorting out who's in charge of room 629, you know? It's like, no, get, call somebody that can do something. So um, they need to know his birthday, you know? So uh, he said his birthday, and I go, man, that's my wife's birthday. Said, but she's not quite as old as you and not nearly as ugly. <laughs> and the guy, he squeezes my hand. He goes, oh, thank you, brother. <laughs> like maybe something to break the tension. I, I don't know. Yeah, that was a high-risk joke. I mean, I, that, uh, oh, that's what I, I, I don't know. I'm you, too awkward in that. That's what we're talking about, right? So, the, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I've my, my go-to is like, let's go extreme. If you don't like me, then we solve this. We don't have to inch into it. Because I, I would have wasted a lot of time inching into the fact that you don't like me. Hence your complete aversion to small talk. Oh, yeah. Let's like, just go right in. I mean, let's just drop yeah. your pants. Show me what. <laughs> Whoa. I'll drop mine. Let's see what we're dealing with here. And otherwise, if that's offense, metaphorically speaking, of course. I mean, that's. Yeah. You can't paint other uh, pictures. Okay. All right, all right, all right. So anyway, we resolved that. I left him in good hands once I found out there was somebody that actually had some medical knowledge that could handle him, you know. But, yeah, that's just one adventure. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to give you um, – that's probably like – it's tough. I'm, I'm going to go C-plus on okay. the small talk. Um, yeah. And probably what where I had to take points off was kind of that existential moment where oh, you're like yes. defining your character as a human being like that. People you, don't need that. The, See, no, no, no. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that the skill that we're working on is small talk. Small. Right. Okay. So if, if we could have like limited or eliminated the existential, like deep philosophical, then I, then I think that was a solid. Okay small talk kind of story just to like get people like curious and like, wait, what? And then, yeah. Oh, and maybe just understanding your ability to communicate, not right. your depth of knowledge. Right, 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 well, right. see, I think I would understand it better. Small talk throws me. I that doesn't have any picture in my head, but if we called it shallow, shallow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well then if that's the tweak that we need, it's just, I'm staying shallow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well that, that reminds me of the guys at the gym. One guy at the, workout bench one day a guy sits down and says yeah man i think i'm gonna have to get a divorce you know this is not working out and the guy spotting him goes yeah man did you see tampa bay sunday night yeah, <laughs> that, there we go right like, he was trying to get it let's get that's it on exactly, the right level that's what here, we man. do man I'm spotting you this Fuck is that like, vulnerability no, dude <laughs> like okay I ain't here to hear about your divorce man yeah. no 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 
Okay. And that, and oftentimes, you know, part of that does come just kind of out of our socialization and those, you know, vulnerable feelings. Mm-hmm. And so for men, especially with each other, man, we got to really fucking ease into that shit mm. because it just is it that story of the gym. Like yeah. I got to say something masculine right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. What about those bucks? You see that? <laughs> you know, like I got, I got to bring the masculine level back up here. Okay. Um, so anyway, so again, uh, final analysis, uh, C plus for those reasons, uh, give us some feedback on that because I'm not good at small talk. In fact, I am abhorrent at small talk, and that is the occupational hazard of being a therapist. Like mm. you, you get so used to asking people the question that they don't want you to ask, and then you go into a social environment and you're functioning. I mean, I spend a lot of hours in that part of my brain, yeah, right? Yeah. And then I go to some social event, and I'm a few bourbons in, and then I'm, like, asking some childhood question or something, and it's like, yeah. and then people just scatter. Yeah. So yeah. typically, I don't go to social events. <laughs> I mean, it's just a good rule of thumb. Uh, so anyway, uh, but your tolerance for this whole organic, small talk, little experience well done. Okay. A plus on that. Oh, good. Thanks. That was fantastic. So yeah. now you can draw us back to business. Like, Okay, yeah. <clears throat> so some important topics to talk about today, or, or I guess it's really one big topic. Um, so we hear about guys, and we experience this ourselves with uh, ideas of anxiety, depression, loneliness. And I just don't think we're understanding what it means or attacking it properly. Um so tell us about your experience with that and, and give us some insight. Well, it's interesting because my my orientation to that has done a complete 180. When I trained 20-some-odd years ago, right, um, the, the it's called the DSM, Diagnostic and Stati- Statistical Manual, and it's what we diagnosed from. So we had gone from the DSM-3 to the DSM-4, which was a, a huge, like it, I, I don't remember the exact numbers. I used to know them, but let's say tripled in size in terms of diagnostic categories. Yeah. And that was done under the guidance of a psychiatrist by the name of Alan Francis, And what our primary focus was at that time was what we called the medical model. And so we looked at things largely from the perspective, or at least this was my training. Other people in that time period may have, may have had a completely different training uh, orientation, but my training was more towards the medical model and uh, high emphasis on diagnosis and then Symptom relief, which sounds good, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you're having depression. Well, or you come in and you give me a list of symptoms and I say, well, that's what we call, you know, major depressive uh-huh. disorder, blah, 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 whatever. The, so that was kind of how I looked at things. Mm-hmm. You you would come into my office and I would look at you through the lenses of a medical model 
my primary emphasis was a diagnosis and then it was almost purely symptom relief. How mm. do we relieve yeah. your symptoms? And through the time that I have practiced, um, that has largely included a preeminent focus on um, medication. I mean, it's a, you know, we're, we are a pill uh, nation and that, that is largely in psychological, you know, the, in that arena as well. And I don't, I, there, there, were, I'm sure there were a thousand things that started to shift my orientation, but the, where I started to kind of, I started to be more curious just about my clients mm-hmm. rather than <clears throat> diagnosing them with a disorder. You know, this is social anxiety or post-traumatic stress or obsessive compulsive disorder or whatever that is. How long have you been having this? What are, what are they associated with? You know, and when you say that out loud, it's like, well, yeah, no fucking shit. You know, right, that kind right. of stuff. Right. Yeah. But, but the emphasis prior to that was so much more, on just diagnostics and, and um, symptom relief. Well, then I kind of started wandering off into Buddhism and more Eastern orientation and some um, individuals that were starting to move their practice in that direction and the value of emotion feeling the emotions, experiencing your emotion. You know, if you're, if you're feeling depression, you know, if you're having some depression, then feel it. Don't judge it. Right. Meaning this is bad. I shouldn't be feeling depressed, but okay. I'm depressed. What, I'm going to let myself feel this. I'm going to experience the discomfort, right? Because the the discomfort actually has a purpose, right? Yeah. I mean, if something's uncomfortable, what then should you do? Yeah. Fucking change it, right? I mean, if you got a rock in your shoe, it's uncomfortable. (laughs) What do you do? You take the goddamn rock out of your shoe, right? It's not, it's not rocket science, but somehow in our, in our treatment, like we just, it's like, man, we don't need to take the rock out of the shoe. Yeah. We just need to give them like some morphine or something. <laughs> so to, they don't feel the rock. Right. Yeah. Oh, like, God. right. <laughs> yeah. And that sounds like a, it, even saying it out loud, it's like, damn, man, I don't know if I'm supposed but I, that's literally mm. um, what it was. And so you, you, so then I start to go through this and I kind of start, oh, well, fuck, I probably ought to deal with this myself, experiencing my own emotions. And like we've talked about those vulnerable emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Depression, sadness, insecurity, you know, but all of these different kinds of things just got lumped into, no, those symptoms, that's depression. And what's inter- it's always been interesting to me is to be defined as clinically depressed, you have, you know, there's nine symptoms. And if you have five of those nine symptoms for a period of two weeks, <laughs> oh no, you're clinically depressed. Oh, wow. I mean, if IU loses a basketball game, I'm depressed yeah, right. for two fucking weeks, man. <laughs> like that takes me like forever like it's like 
what the fuck? Like two weeks, you don't get over anything in two yeah. weeks. Like, what are we even talking about here? So then that just kind of really started. And I've always, as we've talked about this before, man, I have like anxiety. Like <laughs> I am great at anxiety, mm -hmm. anxiety and catastrophic thinking. Like I got the... <laughs> Man, I can fucking do that shit. Okay. And you've heard some of my catastrophic oh, yeah. rants, which yeah. are enjoyable, but do tend to come at a high emotional cost. <laughs> and so exploring that and fixing some of that thinking. And it's like, okay, so I'm, this is, I'm not looking at any of this right. And so I need to get away from or not lean so heavily on this kind of medical model. Right. And be much more curious about the emotional experiences of my clients and then empower them to be curious about it as well. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about like, so now when I think about depression, anxiety, and I think diagnostically, right, it's... It's like, I don't even know how useful that is. I mean, it's useful in terms of filing for insurance reimbursements, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, you know, I don't know how, how useful it is to think in terms of disorders. I know, and I'm not saying that there's not utility in that. There is. There are people who, you know, there is such a thing as major depressive disorder. There is chronic anxiety, chronic depression, those kinds of things. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not. I'm just saying that in that expansiveness of our diagnosis, it just needs to be contracted, mm -hmm. right? And so then you also pair that with our fucking infatuation with happiness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, what? what is the, why are we like, you got to be fucking happy all the time. Mm -hmm. And then as a, therapist you know it's like then you got to be like even a step above that mm -hmm. like because you're a therapist right yeah, oh, yeah. yeah i'm fucking happy all the time it's like fuck you i'm not that happy all the time yeah. i mean i don't and i'm not like i don't know what i am but i'm not like fucking giddy happy all the time well i mean if, if the whole idea of, of us i mean there's going to be pain and suffering in the world so uh, i see it as a big thing is we're managing loss so we're lo we're losing at various things at various <laughs> rates <laughs> uh, some are big some are just little things you know um so we're managing that so i would think a, a healthy state would be are you managing that well you know not is there no loss in your life right yeah and i, I think that's um greg you have earned the ball scratcher of the day. <laughs> oh no, I didn't want to be the first. No, that's a, that's good cuz that really a better indication of my overall wellness would be how effectively how are my circumstances affecting me? Mm -hmm. And how much am I controlling that effect and how much is that effect controlling me? But it's 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 like when you when you put that you have to be fucking happy all the time on us. Right. And then you also put like mental illness, you know, like that stigma of mental illness. And that is shifting. You know, we're moving away from that perspective of mental illness and, and talking more about mental health and 
maintaining mental health, those kinds of things, which I think is a fantastically positive shift in the right direction. I don't think it's the only thing that needs to occur, but that's to get rid of that stigma because who wants to admit that they're like, yeah, I am Jeff. I have a mental illness. Sign up for that category. Right. And so then we will indirectly neglect our mental health. And so, so it's all of those different layers. It's like this diagnosis thing that says depression is just pathological. That anxiety is just pathological. And if you have one of those, then you're mentally ill. So you don't want to acknowledge that, right? Because you don't want to say you're mentally ill. And so then you end up indirectly neglecting your mental health and then you got to be fucking happy all the time. And what I would tell you from that creates an epidemic of loneliness because all of us are walking around with these stupid fucking smiles (laughs) pasted on our face and when someone says, how are you doing? What is your automatic response 100% of the time? Fine. I'm doing fine. Fine. fine just fine. Right. It's, and that's what I mean by loneliness. It's like there's no, there's no sense of any deviation from that path. And it doesn't matter who it is. You know, it's like we just fall into that. It's like, how are you today? Fine. It's like, meh, not so much. And, that's, and it's tough because I try to... Like, you will want your therapist to always be in a good mood, right? <laughs> okay. You know, it's like, it's like if when people ask me how I'm doing, I know what answer they want, right? Yeah. Oh, great. Had a great morning. Had a, you know, positive, good, positive mental attitude shit, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that, there is an attempt on my part to... And this is what's what's difficult is you don't want to overshare, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're there to talk about what they want to talk about. So it's like you want to drop some fucking heavy thing on them, and then the entire session they're thinking about, oh, well, I don't want to put any more weight on that. Yeah. But at the same time, you also don't want to perpetuate this notion of being fine all the time. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know how well I do at managing that. It's just something that I try to keep on a conscious level and, you know, it can vary from client to client, those kinds of things. Um, But it, when you compound all of those things, right, and for us as men, our socialization to avoid, avoid vulnerable emotions, then... That, and then, right, we're not going to do mental illness, right? Fuck that. Yeah, so no. what do we do? Like we do addiction great and we do suicide great. That's ultimately what ends up happening is that we have to numb the pain, which preeminently is the pain of loneliness. So we find, you know, we work ourselves to death. Yeah. We drink, whatever it is, yeah. you know, whatever that thing is in my life that's totally fucking out of balance yeah. is my anesthetic. And then for men, men don't talk about suicide. They just do it. 
and it tends to be, you know, there we we tend to control for the variables. You know, we like the more violent forms that are just gonna put an end to it because we just get. And this is something that I have learned over time with my clients is I used to be one of those guys that thought, well, I'd never, I'd never kill myself. Like, you know, of course I wouldn't kill myself. Right. And, and I think that's what we would all, you know, everybody, hundred percent of the people say that. Like, no, 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 I don't <laughs> do that. But one of the things that emerged over time with me is, is some of my presuppositions about somebody that was having suicidal thoughts versus how it actually occurs. Because when someone is, in, in my experience, when someone is suicidal, there is a perfect logic for it. There's a series of events. There are things that have happened that have made killing myself the perfectly logical next step. And, you know, the last person you're ever going to tell that you're going to kill themselves is your fucking therapist. Because <laughs> we'll lock your ass up. Yeah, right. right, right. We're like, uh, Greg, can you stay here for just a minute? Uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I'm calling the white coats. Yeah. Uh, got me a jumper here. Um, <laughs> so it's not a, a random thing or somebody just goes off the deep end or something. It's like they've thought through it. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> or the series, and I'm not saying that there's not exceptions to this rule, but in my experience, especially with working with men, and I could tell you easily 50 conversations off the top of my head, and guys that you would be like, oh, that dude's got his shit together, mm-hmm. right? And in many ways, he did have his shit together, but that loneliness and that desperation behind it, they would start, once I started to become more curious about one, okay, let's talk about this. Yeah. Like you got to be able to talk to your therapist about this and entering in and being curious about whatever that logic is, whatever those circumstances are that sequentially got to that. You're not, you're, there are exceptions to this, but, but in the majority of my experiences, this isn't a lunatic. It's like mm. when you hear them lay that out, it's like, oh fuck, <laughs> I don't know, bro. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not, yeah. I'm not. Uh, I, I can totally understand that. Yeah, and it, it, there is a connection there, there to where you, at least for me, where it's like, oh, well, I could fucking see myself doing that. I could. And and it didn't take long for me to go from I would never do that to oh I could totally fucking I better like you know I better make sure I got my buffers in place because I could especially with the way that my mind works and that catastrophic thinking and that shit and uh, and it so especially for men because that's you know who we're talking to, talking about, I think we desperately need a reconception of mental illness, anxiety, depression, those kinds of things. And we've got, 
we have to come to a recognition that all emotions are useful. And all emotions tell us something. Now, it can be that that emotion is telling me false thinking, mm-hmm. right? Because that's something that I have to do a lot of work on because of my catastrophic thinking. It's like I can turn the best situation into <laughs> a pile of shit in a fucking hurry, right? <laughs> but if I had not sat in my anxiety and spent some time feeling the discomfort, mm-hmm then I never would have reprogrammed those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And those thoughts absolutely conditioned the way that I looked at everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. There was no escape from it. Everything was like going through those lenses. And then once I was able to see the defectiveness of the, the thought patterns and be able to change them more in a more sort of way. Cause I was, I was pretty much, my thinking was usually victim, right? Oh fuck, man. That's not fair. Why is this happening to me? Like, (laughs) which puts me in a position of powerlessness, right? I have nothing that I can control. So that then just causes my anxiety to get even worse. Mm -hmm. And then the more helpless that I feel, the less that I try to make changes, try to confront problems, all of those kinds of things. So it's just perpetually escalating my anxiety. Yeah. But then when I'm able to engineer some of my thinking to where it's like, okay, it's, it is a problem. It's not, it's not a statement about who I am or a statement about how the universe feels against me. It is a problem and I can solve that problem or I can get help to solve that problem, then all of a sudden it just, it changes everything. Yeah. And so, but again, my point being, if I don't, if I don't camp and spend some time in that anxiety and start to understand that I don't ever come to that discovery. Yeah. Yeah. If I don't sit in my depression and think about why am I depressed Not, oh shit, I shouldn't be depressed. Oh my God, what the fuck? Is this depression? Oh my God. And so a lot of my thinking, right, this this conception that we've created about mental illness and all of that, it's like if I feel a little bit of depression, it's like, well, then I get depressed because I'm feeling depressed and then it becomes a self-sustaining cycle. So we got to get guys to to go ahead and sit in that and and say, okay, I'm having these feelings. And it's okay. It's okay to have this feeling. It's okay to not be fucking happy. (laughs) Twenty four seven. Yeah. So as soon as we label it as bad, we try and push it out. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Again, because that largely goes back to that mental illness stigma, right? I don't want to be fucking mentally ill. Yeah. Like, it's like, and I, and I, that most of us are that way, right? It's like, well, we want to, we want to push that away. I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not weak. I don't have any of that. Yeah. And depressed doesn't sound very powerful. Right. (laughs) Right. And it's, and so in moving those things out of just the purely pathological and saying, okay, this is, this is useful. Mm. You know what? I mean, if I hadn't sat in my depression a little bit, I'd still be married and it was not a good marriage. I mean, it wasn't a good marriage for her. It wasn't a good marriage for me. It was, it was, we were both, both depressed for damn good reasons. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And being able to say, okay, this isn't good for either one of us. Yeah. And we have beautiful, brilliant children that we can love and support 
and be wonderful parents too. And we can recognize that marriage is not what we were designed for. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to hate each other. We don't have to like, yeah. fuck you and fuck you and you liar. <laughs> you said till death. Like we don't have, we don't have to do that. We can just acknowledge this and then we can move into something else. That reconception in terms of the men that we have worked with has had unbelievable results. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable results. The, the way that I practice now versus the way that I practiced 15 years ago are almost categorically exclusive of one another. And I am very proud of the work that I do now because of the effectiveness. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's an experience that we can all have. We don't have to be afraid of our emotions. We can feel the shit. We can deal with it. We can seek comfort. We can do all of those kinds of things. And, and you mentioned something that I think was pretty key. You might have gone over it. Uh, it it's worth going over it again. <laughs> so when you ask a guy to explore those emotions so that you can, like you're drawing information for yourself to help him, but the idea is you want him to be able to sort that exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. So when he's not sitting in your office, he's still out there saying, wow, that is an emotion and that's okay. 100%. It is preeminently for the client saying it's okay to come into this space. Mm -hmm. It's okay to feel what you're feeling. It's uncomfortable, but the discomfort has utility. It's telling us something that we need to change in the system. Yeah. And let's explore that and let's make that change, whether it's a cognitive change, the way that you process the information, or it's a behavioral change, you need to get a fucking divorce, you know, what, whatever that is. But it's, it's useful. It, now, it does need to be relieved, right? Yeah. It's uncomfortable, yeah. this ease, for a reason. Yeah. But let's find that reason. Yeah. Let's not just jump to relieving <laughs> the symptoms. Disease. Yeah. Let's relieve it in a way. Let's use an antibiotic. Let's not use morphine. Yeah. Wow. I, I think that's great. I think uh, we've got our our tip <laughs> for the day. Our what? <laughs> what? Did, I forgot what you called it. Are you talking about the ball scratcher? <laughs> okay. All right. Do you call it a tip? You know, like that useful. That's Im- the wrong part of the. No, no, don't start with that. I'm saying it's like it's a useful not the dip, piece it's the balls, of information. The balls. No, stop. <laughs> it's a useful piece of information to take out and do something. That's with. that's that's the Greg Allen version of it. Useful piece of information. So from now on, it will, will be referred to as a UPI. And we'll have like some kind of fucking form that says UPI, and then you have to fill out the today's UPI. It's, it's a ball scratcher, Greg. Okay, You're thanks. Going to have to got it. Satisfied. I'm getting that on a t-shirt. And every time, every time we record, I'm wearing my ball scratcher t-shirt. You know what time it is, Jeff? It's uh, time to thank our producers. Time to thank our producers, <laughs> Eric and Justin. Yes, they are absolutely. The brains of the outfit. Oh, yeah. Um, to whatever degree it looks like we know what we're doing, they mm. are 100% responsible. Right. And 
Just fucking fantastic guys. I know. I know. Wealth of information. And just like fun, man. And I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I don't know how to say that. I'm not the easiest person to hang out with. <laughs> That's how you say it. Is yeah. that the right way? <laughs> That's perfect. Nailed it. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> but man, hanging out with those guys is just like a fucking blast. Cause mm. they're just great guys and like mm-hmm. a wealth of information. I don't know. It's just easy. It's cool. Yeah. Anyway, shout out to Justin and Eric. Um, speak and tell studios, speak and tell studios, the wind beneath our wings. <laughs> That's right. And uh, we also want to ask guys to subscribe um, to our Facebook page. Yeah. Is that right? Or to the podcast. Uh, about both. Yeah. <laughs> they want to do both. Like, yeah. Uh, do them both. Yeah. Give us the five-star rating. We know that first step in finding your balls is hitting that like button and giving us the five stars. So, uh, yeah, we good? Yep, that's good. Thank you, Jeff. My balls feel scratched, so that's a successful podcast, and we'll talk to you next week.